Let's just take a few moments to still our hearts and minds, to become aware that here and now we are in the presence of our living, loving God. God makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the air nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied by the fruit of his work. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth. Wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. And so let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray together. Lord God, we come here in all kinds of moods and from a variety of situations. Some of us are feeling glad to be alive and enjoying the gift of a weekend when the sky is blue and the earth is good. Some of us are feeling frustrated because it feels as if life has conspired against us. Things are not going our way. Some of us are in bad moods because some trivial incident has irritated us. Some of us are anxious because of events or issues we cannot control. And some of us are ambivalent. Life is just the same old, same old. Whatever our circumstances, however we feel, it is known to you and it matters to you. Those who who rejoice, you dance with. Those who weep, you embrace. Those who rage, you listen to. Those who irritate, you tolerate. And those who are on the level, you accompany in the everyday. Here and now, accept us as we are. Here and now, assure us of your presence. Here and now, show us more of your nature. Here and now, Let us worship you. Amen. We listen for the word of God. Quite a few um, items from scripture this morning. And in this first section, two readings. One from Genesis and then from the gospel according to Mark. First of all, in Genesis, at chapter 8. Then Noah sent out a dove to see whether the water on the earth had subsided. 
But the dove found no place where she could settle, because all the earth was underwater. And so she came back to the ark. Noah reached out and caught her and brought her into the ark. He waited seven days more and again sent out a dove from the ark. She came back towards evening with a freshly plucked olive leaf in her beak. Noah then knew that the water has subsided from the earth's surface. He waited yet another seven days, and when he sent out the dove, she did not come back to him. And then in the Gospel of Mark, at chapter 1. John the Baptist was dressed in a rough coat of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he fed on locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, After me comes one mightier than I am whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and unfasten. I have baptised you with water. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. It was at this time that Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. As he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens break open and the Spirit descend on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. In you I take delight. As is my way, as you are getting to know, I've shaken things around a little bit this morning. So we've got readings and short reflections rather than a single sermon. And this week we are looking at some of the images in the Bible of birds. The image of the Holy Spirit as a dove is surely a very familiar one. And I expect that straight away in your mind is a lovely white bird fluttering down from the highest point in a clear blue sky, a sign of peace and serenity. We don't know what the weather was like on the day of Jesus' baptism because nobody wrote it down. But we tend to imagine it, I think, as a lovely day, a clear blue sky, and somehow This gentle, benign, white dove flutters down. And we kind of feel good when we see it. Of course, it could have been a pigeon, because the word translated dove also translates as pigeon. But we'll stick with the dove, shall we? It's very different from the picture we get in the Noah's Ark story. There is the ark adrift on the flood water. And the rain has stopped... And it might be a blue sky, but somehow in my head it's a grey sky. And the people are wondering, will we ever, ever see dry land again? So Noah sends out a dove, and the Hebrew word is feminine. It's the correct translation that Brian read for us. And she flies around. Now this isn't a nice, gentle, fluttering little birdie. 
This is an earnest seeking for somewhere that she can perch. She's been on this boat for an awfully long time. She needs to feel a branch under her feet. She needs to be able to land on the ground and look for food. Doves, like pigeons, hop around and and peck for food. She needs, I'm sure, to find somewhere that she can lay her eggs and rear her young. And on this first outing, she's disappointed. And so is Noah. There's nowhere for her to land, and so she comes back. And they have to wait. On the second outing, she flies far and wide, and then is the glimmer of hope. Because she finds an olive tree above the water with new leaves. She plucks a leaf and she carries it back to Noah. There is a sign of hope, but it's not yet time for them to leave the ark. It's not yet suitable for her to go and live on the land. And then, of course, the third time Noah lets her go and she's gone. Her work as a messenger, as a bringer of signs, is completed, and she flies off into a new future, a future in which Noah will join her, but not quite yet. It's still a little while before Noah and the rest of the animals leave the ark. But now he can eagerly await the fulfillment of God's promise that there will be life on earth So how did that dove appear, I wonder, at Jesus' baptism? Did she flutter about? Did she hover? Did she coo gently, as if to pass on some message to anybody who would hear? And what did it really mean for those who saw her there? And I wonder what God's Spirit is saying to us today. I wonder how God's Spirit appears to us today as we are gathering here, hoping for a sign of God's glory or a sign of God's activity. I wonder what it would be like if we saw ourselves on the ark, sailing across the water, waiting for God to bring us to land, ready for a new adventure. Where is that dove in relation to that picture? Is she hovering above the flood water, unable to see a place to land? Is she coming back with an olive leaf to bring us a sign of hope, of God's new beginnings? Or is it even that she's brought us the signs and she's flown off to that future that awaits us? And perhaps she is cooing, calling to us and saying, come on, stir yourselves. God is calling you to this new adventure. We have, as a church, faced a time of laying things down. And we have also sensed hints of new things to which God is leading us. So what is it that God's Spirit says to us as she flutters past like a dove? A sign of hope? A sign of peace? A sign of renewal. All of these. And maybe more.
He who lives in the shelter of the Most High, who lodges under the shadow of the Almighty, says the Lord, says of the Lord, He is my refuge and fortress, my God in whom I put my trust. He will rescue you from the fouler snare and from deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his wings. You will find refuge beneath his pinions. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent to you, how I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Whenever I hear that reading from Psalm 91, I'm reminded of the time I spent working in a Roman Catholic church. The priest with whom I worked for a year decided that I had a nice voice and that therefore I should cantor the psalm on occasion, which meant standing and singing it solo. I don't do singing solo, but there I did. And Psalm 91 was the first uh, psalm that I had to cantor, and there was a response, be with me, Lord, in my distress. Believe me, I meant every word of that response. (laughs) Anyway, the image of the chicken, Jesus is looking at Jerusalem, at the people among whom he lives, people he loves, people he has come to share with, the news of the kingdom of God. And they are rejecting him. They don't want to know what he has to say. And I just wonder if you can hear the pain in his voice. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I have longed to gather you as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings. He wants to bring them to a place of safety. He wants to save them, to rescue them. Now I know that some people find feminine images of God difficult to cope with. We've all grown up with the idea that God is he. That's the way language worked for centuries. But you know, God is not just male and not just female and not just both. God is God and we we can't grasp God. But there are images in the feminine that help us to see something of God. So when Jesus compares himself to a mother hen, he's not pretending he's a girl. Okay, Jesus was a man. Let's not get ourselves in a muddle here. But there is something about the way a hen behaves that allows us to glimpse something of God's nature. And that is what Jesus is saying. Little chickens are cute, aren't they? They're kind of little balls of yellow fluff, and they're rather nice. They also taste very nice if you're a passing eagle or cat or badger or whatever. They're curious about the world they live in. They sort of puddle around and and do chickeny things, but they don't realise that they are very vulnerable. And the wise hen, whether it's through her experience, whether it's because her own mother taught her, or whether it's just some kind of instinct, gathers them together and spreads her wings over them. And those of us who've seen free-range chickens will perhaps have seen them do that, or we've seen it on wildlife programs where birds spread their wings out over the chickens and they can't be seen, they're hidden. You see, there's a two-fold effect to this gathering. 
The chicks are invisible to the predators and the chicks are safe and secure because they're sheltered by their mum. Unlike the small fluffy chickens, the people that Jesus wants to gather and protect are mostly grown-ups and they're free to choose what they do. And I think what pierces his heart is that they don't want to be safe. They don't want to be protected. They want to go about it their way. And for me, in this image that Jesus uses of the mother hen, there's a strange vulnerability. Because he cannot or will not force these people to accept the shelter. He longs to embrace them. He longs to make them be safe. But he's not going to force them. True love, as God's love is true, doesn't force itself on its beloved. It waits with open arms and risks projection. I found myself thinking of the crucifixion slightly differently as a hen with its wings spread. One of my characteristics is I am fiercely independent and I can be decidedly stubborn. I like to think I can do everything on my own. I like to think I'm old enough and wise enough to make my own way in the world. But I know, if I'm honest, that I need God's help and God's protection. And sometimes I'm just too proud or too foolish to receive it. And I also think that there will be other people here who are a bit like me. There will be a lot of us who are bravely or stubbornly getting on with stuff. And somewhere just out of our sight, Jesus is crying. Because he wants to hold us safe and sound, to hide us from harm and to shelter us in the storms of life. They come, that's a fact but he longs to shelter us. The psalmist speaks of the security that is found by those who respond to God's invitation to be sheltered. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He will cover you with his feathers. And under his wings, you will find refuge. Maybe we need to be reminded of that invitation to shelter under the wings of God as of a mother hen. At Deuteronomy uh, chapter 32. As an eagle watches over its nest, hovers above its young, spreads its pinions and takes them up, and bears them on its wings, the Lord alone led his people, no alien God at his side. And then in Exodus chapter 19 verse 4. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I have carried you on eagles' wings 
and brought you here to me. And then finally in Isaiah 40. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord, the eternal God, creator of earth's furthest bounds, does not weary or grow faint. His understanding cannot be fathomed. He gives vigour to the weary, new strength to the exhausted. The young may grow weary and faint, even the fittest may stumble and fall. But those who look to the Lord will win new strength. They will soar as on eagles' wings. They will run and not feel faint. March on and not grow weary. So, our last bird is an eagle. Hopefully not the one that was going to go and snatch one of the chickens in our last set of thoughts. I wonder how you imagine an eagle. Depending where you grew up, you might think of a golden eagle, the kind of eagle we have in Britain. If you came from stateside, you might imagine an American bald eagle. People from other nations will have other birds of prey in their mind, but an eagle. And the picture that comes immediately to my mind is this big bird hovering in the sky with its eyes fixed on something on the ground. And all of a sudden, it swoops down, grabs what it is, and carries it off. It might be a lamb, it might be a rabbit. But for me, my instinctive image of an eagle is one of power and of nature red in tooth and claw, as my ethics teacher used to say far too often. Probably not the kind of image that I would want to think of for God. The images we get in the Old Testament are of a very different kind of an eagle. In fact, God is portrayed as being like a mother eagle. You may well know and have known for years how eagles are taught to fly. I think I was about 20 when somebody told me. But high up on the ledge is the eyrie. And there is the mother and there is the chick. And one day, the mother eagle decides it's time for her chick to learn to fly. So she nudges it along and along, closer and closer to the edge. And finally, over it goes. And probably plummets. Fleetingly, she waits. And then she swoops down catches it on her wings and flies back up to the ledge to safety. 
just about as it's getting its breath back, over to the edge. Repeat the process until eventually the chick works out what's happening, flaps its wings, and discovers it can fly. And it grows in confidence. Its wings stretch, and it swoops, and it soars, and, and it becomes a little eagle. It discovers what it is to be a fully-fledged eagle. God, we are told, is like that mother eagle. Sometimes, if we're honest, we're quite happy to sit tight in our little nest. And sometimes, God has to nudge us, not just to the edge, but over it, into that unknown space, if we're going to learn to fly, to become the people we're meant to be. And I guess it can feel as if we're hurtling towards the ground at an alarming speed. And that God's never quite going to come down and catch us. But God does and carries us back to a place of safety. And once we've recovered a little bit, there's another nudge and another. Until finally one day... We learn to fly. One day, we discover the delight and the challenge of being what we are called to be. And then we too can soar on wings like eagles, reveling in the fulfilment of being who God has made us to be. If you're like me, sometimes you kind of know what God's telling you that you ought to be doing but you just kind of don't. And it takes quite a lot of nudging to actually get us to the edge. Never mind over it. I have been known to tell people it took me 10 years of wrestling with God to get to the point of being baptised as a believer because I had been baptised as an infant. When I felt God calling me to ordained ministry, I thought, well, there's no point in arguing for another 10 years, is there? I might as well just jump over the edge and see what happens. Sometimes I think all of us are a bit like me. We sit there and need a heck of a lot of nudges. But having taken a jump, God's there to catch us. Of course, real eagles aren't perfect, and the reality is I guess that some baby eagles do fall onto the rocks. And some mother eagles might just go, well, fine, if you don't want to learn to fly, okay, you just don't fly. I'll go off and do something else. And of course, we aren't perfect. Sometimes we just don't want to be moved. Sometimes we don't learn the lessons that God is offering us. Sometimes we're quite content, actually, just to walk rather than flying. And we miss out on so much. Today, as well as there being people who need to be reassured of the safety of God's wings as a place of protection and to catch us. There may be people who need that nudge of the mother eagle to help them to learn to fly in the sky of God's love because God's love surrounds us always and everywhere.
Now, if you're like any other congregation I know, when you see the word interactive after prayers of intercession, you think, oh, ek. You should have found on your seat a paper bird with a piece of paper. I'm not going to tell you what this bird is. It could be a sparrow, an expression of feeling small and insignificant and yet loved by God. It could, and this kind of paper bird usually is, be seen as a dove, a symbol of God's spirit, bringing signs of hope or leading the way to a new tomorrow. It could be seen as a mother hen, a symbol of Christ's outstretched arms, longing to embrace us and the whole of creation. It could be seen as a mother eagle, symbol of God teaching us how to fulfil our potential. It could be any of those. It could be all of those. What I'm going to invite you to do is on the rectangular sheet of paper in a moment to write or draw or symbolise people or situations who need to be prayed for. Maybe people who are feeling vulnerable and insignificant. Maybe people who need hope or energy. Maybe people who need to know they are safe. Maybe people who need to learn to fly. And then concertina that so that it stays the long length and push it through the slit in the bird to make her wings. If anybody doesn't have a bird, I have got some spares. It's quite interesting listening to the rustling. It is almost as if there are some birds flying around. As we, some of us have completed the birds, some are still doing them, that's absolutely fine. You just hold that bird gently in your hands. As you hold those people and those situations before God. And in your imagination, your bird is flying heavenwards, carrying those prayers to God. And as she flies upwards, small and relatively insignificant, God swoops down from heaven to catch her, to catch your prayers, to hold those people 
and those situations. As you hold your bird, imagine Jesus spreading his arms of love around those for whom you are praying. Imagine God's spirit leading those people, those situations, on into a brighter future, a more hope-filled future. And now, we gather all our prayers together in the words Jesus gave his followers, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power and the glory, forever and ever. Please do take your bird home with you, as a reminder of those for whom you have prayed this week. We are upheld by the power of God. God, as you uphold us, we can face all danger. We are safe forever. We are embraced by the love of Christ. Christ, as you embrace us, we can meet all sorrow, loved by you forever. We are enclosed by the Spirit's peace. Spirit, you can enclose us. Through earth's strife and turmoil, we have peace forever. We are wrapped around by love's trinity. Trinity, you hold us in your love forever. Ever we adore you. 